Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archived teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with Reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Svoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello and welcome to Living with Reality. This is Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Svoboda's media manager. In today's episode, Dr. Svoboda goes into depth about Navaratri and specifically the Chaitri Navaratri, which is going on right now. That's the nine nights of the goddess and gives so much rich information about the different spiritual traditions, what happens during this time and how you can make the most of this time. If you're interested in learning online with Dr. Svoboda, you can go to Dr. Svoboda, that's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A dot teachable dot com. And you can find a whole host of online courses. And specifically upcoming, we are opening the Satsanga, which is a subscription where you can take a class with Dr. Svoboda every month and also have a Q&A period where you can ask him all the questions on your mind, as well as getting access to hours and hours of content. So if that's something that's interesting to you, make sure that you're signed on to Dr. Svoboda's newsletter, which you can go to his website and access. It's drsvoboda.com. Enjoy. Om Sarva Mangala Mangalye Shive Sarvarta Sadike Sharanye Triambake Gauri Narayani Namastute Namaste. And welcome to Navaratri. This is the Chaitri Navaratri, the Navaratri that happens during the lunar month of Chaitra. And the lunar month of Chaitra shifts every solar year, that means every calendar year, a few days here and there because the lunar calendar and the solar calendar are not precisely correlated because the lunar year is 10 days-ish shorter than the solar year. So it just so happens that at the moment, <clears throat> we're in the Chaitri Navaratri for 2021. And in the Northern Hemisphere, we're in the period of spring. And in India, this is the period of the spring harvest. Generally in India, there are two harvests, one in the spring and one in the, in the fall. And there are Navaratris for each harvest because it's a way of appreciating the goddess, the goddess of earth for providing the soil and the rain and the seed and the processes that produce the, the food and the goddess of food herself, and the goddess, supreme goddess of the universe, 
as well. So the, the spring harvest, of course, represents new life, new beginnings, new everything. And the fall harvest is the time that the year is dying, and that represents death. And the fall harvest is more dramatic, really, in its celebrations than the spring harvest is, possibly because the spring harvest is happening in anticipation, first of the hot season, but then of the monsoons to come that are going to provide water for the entire year for the subcontinent. And the fall Navaratri is more like the water has come, however much you're going to get, you've got, and now you're going to have to wait a number of months until you get any more. So Navaratri literally means nine nights. Nava means nine, Ratri means night. Navaratri <clears throat> happens during every lunar month. It always begins on the night after the new moon night. Every month has a Shivaratri also. Shivaratri is, happens on the night that happens just before the new moon night. So Shiva and Shakti are always joined together in the month, separated only by the new moon, the night on which there is no moon, when the moon is conjoined the sun. So Shivaratri happens when the moon is waning, waning, waning. The mind is becoming, is dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. But there's a tiny bit of it left. And that's what Shiva has got, a tiny bit of mind that is sufficient for him to be able to connect to his devotees and provide them with blessings. The moon is also extremely weak on the first day after the new moon, but now it is waxing. And so the mind is getting stronger and stronger. And that's why we want to invoke the goddess because we want her to, to guide our minds to move in the right direction. And that should be an auspicious direction. And that's why we always respect her as the auspicious reality above other, all other auspicious realities. Sarva Mangala Mangalye. Mangala means the planet Mars. Mangala also means auspicious. There are nine nights in Navaratri because nine is a number that is significant in many ways. There are nine grahas or nine planets in Jyotisha. There are also nine is the number that comes just before 10. 10 is the number of completion in the sense that it has, we have added a zero to the experience. Nine, we have explored the totality of expression in the context of the number system that we use. So there are said to be among the goddesses, nine Durgas, 
and 10 Mahavidyas. So this reality of nine and 10 is very important to the goddess. The 10th day of any Navaratri is the completion day. The 10th day is not so important in the current Navaratri, the Chaitri Navaratri. It is more important in the Ashwin Navaratri. Ashwin means the the Navaratri that happens in the in the fall. And that 10th day is called Vijaya Dashami, the 10th day of success, of victory. And that's the day that Rama kills the demon Ravana and the goddess Durga kills the buffalo demon Mahishasura. So every month has a Navaratri, but of the five, the 12 or sometimes 13 Navaratris in a calendar year, five of them are particularly important. The first is the Pausha Navaratri. And that happens usually in January. It's also called the Shakambari Navaratri. And Shakambari is an interesting deity She's a goddess who, instead of having a conventional head like you and me and all the other goddesses we've seen, she has a plant for a head. Sometimes you will see her with a lotus flower. Sometimes you will see her with a vegetable. Usually it's a lotus flower. And she is well-known because she manifested when there was a terrific drought on earth that went on for many, 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 many years. And finally, it got to where almost nothing was growing. So she manifested on earth in the form of vegetation and created giant vegetables to feed all of the sages and rishis and munis who were who were celebrating her and worshiping her and requesting her to come and keep the all of the beings on earth alive. And her Navaratri is unusual in that it does not start, it is the only Navaratri of the year that does not start on the night just after the new moon. Instead, it begins on the night that is in the middle of the new moon and the full moon. We call that night Ashtami. And every Ashtami and every Navami, Navami means the ninth, ninth night of any lunar fortnight, each of these days are sacred to the goddess. But Ashtami, because it, if you were to look into the sky, you would see the moon being exactly cut in half. I think they, in English, call that a quarter moon. And then after the full moon, they call the other, when you look in the sky and look at the moon and it's only half, it's called a three-quarter moon. But I prefer to think of them as half moons because that's the way they look to my eye. So this starts at a time when you look up into the sky and you see exactly 
half of a moon. Half of it is invisible, half of it is visible. That's the Ashtami. Ashtami is a strong day. It's not generally regarded as being good for auspicious things, but it's very good for the goddess. And this particular Navaratri begins on that waxing fortnight Ashtami of the month of Paush, and it concludes on the full moon. So actually, it is technically speaking more like eight nights than nine nights. But in principle, it is still a Navaratri. And it is not, it, it is worshipped, uh, it, it's followed chiefly in, um, nowadays in, in Western India, but even there it's not, people don't follow it as assiduously, as, as uh, enthusiastically as they follow the other Navaratris. The second of the Navaratris is called Magh Navaratri, and it is mainly celebrated in North India. Because in North India, especially in Prayaga, which used to be known as Ilabad, there is every year a Magh Mela, like the Kumbha Mela. And the Kumbha Mela really is just a special example that happens once every 12 years of the Magh Mela. The Magh Mela in normal years lasts for a month and all sorts of sadhus and yogis and swamis and so on come to the riverbed of the Ganga there, the Ganga and Yamana meet at Prayag, and they have this mela, this festival. And so the Magh Navaratri happens during this festival. And it is chiefly important because in the midpoint of that Navaratri, so there's, it would be the fifth day of the bright fortnight, the Panchami, and the fifth day and the 10th day, those are both very strong and good days for doing auspicious things. The fifth day of that Navaratri is called Vasanta Panchami. And Vasanta Panchami, Vasanta means spring, and Panchami means the fifth day. So why is it called spring? Are we in spring when it is January? No, not usually. Actually, this happens mostly in February, but even then it's not quite spring. The point is that it's the beginning of the 40 days that is going to culminate with holy. And once you get to holy, it is going to be spring for sure. So the Vasant Panchami, even though it is not actually spring, it is the beginning of the period that is going to terminate in spring. So it's we're getting ready for spring. And Vasant Panchami is regarded as being Saraswati Jayanti, the birthday of the goddess Saraswati. And that's the day that uh, you start 
teaching children something new or you start learning something new yourself and you worship Saraswati and you worship books and you worship anything that's associated with Saraswati. So it is a very fine day and it's a nice Navaratri also. Just two weeks after the end of Holi is the beginning of Chaitri Navaratri, the one we're in now. So this is the spring, the actual spring Navaratri. So there's the there there the the goddesses we're 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 remembering the goddess enthusiastically because we really want her to assist us to have a nice monsoon so we can grow a lot of food and um, not starve. And so we start with Shakambari in January ish, usually January, and then we move on to Mag, and we invoke Saraswati, and we say, please um, give us lots of learning so we're going to know what to do, and then we get to the Chaitri Navaratri, which I'll come to later because, of course, it's the current Navaratri and the most important one for where we are right now, and after the Chaitanya Navaratri, there is a fourth Navaratri. It's called Ashad Navaratri. And it happens in the summer, usually in July, right around the time of Guru Purnima. In fact, Guru Purnima happens just six, six nights after the end of the Ashad Navaratri. And the reason for having a Navaratri there then is so that you will activate the energy of the goddess so you will have enough shakti to worship your guru properly. And then after Guru Purnima, there is the month of Shravana, when you worship Shiva. And then after Shravana, there is Bhadrapada. The first half of Bhadrapada, you worship Ganesh. The second half of Bhadrapada, you worship the ancestors. And then comes Ashwin. And in Ashwin, we have this most important Navaratri of the year. It is sometimes called the Shardia or the Sharad Navaratri because Sharada means autumn. So it is the autumn Navaratri. And it is a big harvest festival. It is celebrated uh, over the entire country, but especially in Eastern India, especially in Orissa, Bihar, Assam, Bengal, places like that. And it is dedicated overall to the goddess Durga. And it is a very big deal in Bengal and in Kolkata. Images of the goddess Durga, and in Benares for that matter, and all over North India, images of the goddess Durga are made, and they are installed in homes and in the middle of uh, intersections, very much like the way images of Ganesh are installed in Maharashtra during the Ganesh festival. And so during the Durga Puja, which is what Navaratri is called in Bengal, during the Durga Puja, people come and they worship Durga and they enjoy all of the Durgas in the city. And then at the end of the nine days, she is immersed in the river or the ocean and she is 
as with Ganesh, requested to come again next year. There is a complicated method for worshiping the during this Navaratri that involves having a different goddess for each of the nine days, beginning with the goddess Shailaputri, meaning daughter of the rocks, meaning Parvati. And there is often a process during which seeds are sown. The, if you have, let's say, an image of Durga in front of it, you will take some dirt and you will pour water into the dirt and then you will put some seeds on top of or just slightly into the dirt and so that they can sprout over that these nine days. Sometimes people will use only one type of seed, sometimes five or seven or nine types of seed. But the point is that your job is to worship the goddess. And if your seeds all sprout and you have a nice crop of greenery at the end of nine nights, that means the goddess has blessed you. And if you don't, then number one, you should have made sure you had good seeds. And number two, you should ask yourself what you may have done to offend the goddess. Baba Haridas, who I met when he was at the Mount Madonna Center in California, which he founded and lived at for many decades, said that in the past, when a yoga guru had some very good quality students, what that guru might do is cause the students to sit down and depending on the capability of the student, have them sit for one day or three days, or if they were really hyper quality students, maybe even nine days, and put the soil in the lap of the student so that the student would be sitting there without moving, immobile for all of those days or day. And during that period, the sprouts would be sprouting. So you could naturally test the student if to by seeing how the sprouts, if the were uh, uh, pointed when the end of the period came, if the student had moved his legs, then the sprouts would be all askew and then you would know that some movement had occurred. So that is definitely for uh, the tough yogi kind of approach. The beginning first night of Durga Puja is in many ways the most important night. It's called the night of Gata Stapana. Gata Stapana. Gata means a pot, P-O-T, pot. And the Gata represents the head what you do is you take a pot that's full of water, and the water represents all the juices of the head, and you place it on a, commonly a, a, a bed of sand, so it will be stable. So you have a, a clay pot on this bed of sand. The pot is full of water, and in the top of the pot, you put some mango leaves, and you put a coconut. The coconut also represents the head. The mango leaves represent uh, uh, auspiciousness. 
And you're going to be invoking all of your, the focus of the energy of all of your worship is going to be on this pot so that it will um, accumulate the shakti that you are directing in the direction of the goddess. And the pot also represents the belly in which prana uh, will accumulate if you were sitting and meditating and focusing properly. It also represents the belly of a pregnant woman because she's the goddess after all, and she's pregnant with all of the, all of the things that she wishes to provide to us. I was very fortunate to 45 years ago, go to Navaratri in Berhampur, district Ganjam, Orissa. And they and and I was able to see the pot that they had placed there. And I was able to watch dancers who had been painted up and dressed up as tigers be possessed to some degree. They you could tell they weren't completely possessed, but possessed to some degree by the spirit of the tiger, because, of course, tigers are very popular in the forest there, and um, and to watch them dance and be uh, being inspired by the energy of the goddess and, and, the, and, the energy, and the tiger energy, because the goddess Durga sometimes is shown riding on a tiger, sometimes is shown riding on a lion, but she always rides on a big cat because she is a very powerful and very relentless and unable to be withstood kind of goddess. Her name, Durga, means she who is difficult to reach. Dur means difficult, Ga means to go. So she is the goddess that requires great fortitude and great attention and great energy to, to reach. Another thing that will happen on Gattastapana is that you will light a lamp and you will keep that lamp burning for the next nine nights. So there will be the pot and the lamp and there will be the mantras and the dancing and it will all be a big event. Many people during the nine nights of Navaratri will read the Devi Mahatmya. The Devi Mahatmya is also called the Durga Saptashati, and it is also called the Chandi Part. It is supposed to be 700 verses long, though some of those verses are pretty short so that they could get it to where it was 700 verses. But the Devi Mahatmya is probably the basic text for goddess worship in India. And it is originally from one of the Puranas. And it's the story of a king and a merchant who are thrown out. The king is thrown out of his kingdom. The merchant is thrown out of his house. And they meet in a forest and they don't know what to do. But they, they meet this rishi in the forest and they tell the rishi, we don't know what to do. We've been thrown out of our houses. Here we are. We are homeless now. And the rishi says, don't worry. If you want to go back to being unhomeless one way or another, 
then you should worship the goddess. And he explains to the god to them how to worship the goddess, and he tells them three stories about the goddess. The first story is the story of how two demons emerge from the earwax of Vishnu when he is sleeping on his giant snake, Sheshanaga, and how Brahma, the creator, invokes Mahamaya, the great goddess of delusion, who is keeping Vishnu asleep, so that Vishnu will wake up and kill the demons. And the second story is about Mahishasura, the buffalo demon, and how the buffalo demon conquers the universe and all the gods are sorely uh, disturbed and they are afflicted and there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. And they focus on, on, on solving this problem somehow. And from each of them, their shaktis emerge and those shaktis come together and they, find, they create a great shakti and lo, and verily, she is immense and powerful. And her name is multitude. She has many, many names. But for this purpose, her name is Durga. And at the, uh, at the end of this story, Durga drinks a large amount of mead, honey wine, and then she slays the buffalo demon. And Mahisha, buffalo, is regarded in India as being the embodiment of tamas. The cow is regarded in India as being the embodiment of sattva. But Mahisha, the buffalo, is being regarded, is regarded as the embodiment of tamas. And if you have spent any time with water buffaloes, as I have, you will know that they are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. And they are certainly not the most sattvic of animals. They're not inherently bad animals, they're just not particularly sattvic. So Durga slaying Mahishasura represents Durga killing the principle of tamas so that rajas can encourage sattva to increase and then we can go beyond the gunas and there will be positive spiritual developments occurring. The third of the stories is Again, the universe is conquered by demonic forces, in this case, a pair of brothers named Shumba and Nishumba. And Shumba and Nishumba are definitely very powerful demons, and the gods, again, they are, they are wandering around on earth uh, because they have been cast down out of heaven. And then they remember, wait a minute, Durga after she killed the buffalo demon, she promised us that if we ever had any problems again, we should contact her and she would solve them. And then they send, they recite a hymn to the Devi, Namo Devye Mahadevye. And, and the, it's a very famous hymn because, for example, it goes this way. Ya Devi Sarvabhuteshu Shaktiru Pena Samstita Namastasye 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 Namo Namaha. Very famous hymn. And she enjoys it even more than uh, the gods and the humans and everybody who's worshiping her. And she manifests and she there's a big long battle 
a series of battles, actually. And then Shumba and Nishumba are destroyed. And then the goddess is uh, then the goddess promises that no matter what problems humans or gods have, all they have to do is remember her and they will immediately have their problems taken away. And after this, the, the merchant and the king, having heard these stories, they are inspired and the rishi sends them out to do penance, which they do for quite a while. And eventually the goddess appears to them and the king asked to get asked to become a king again. So the goddess says, soon you will become the king of your country again, and then you will become the king of the universe for a period of time. And the merchant says, I've, I've had enough of human existence. I would like to have supreme knowledge. And the goddess said, do not worry, you shall have supreme knowledge. All will be well with both of you. And the implication is anybody who reads, hears, or involves themselves in some other way with the Devi Mahatmya will also be blessed by the goddess Tatsastu, may it occur, Jema. So people who follow the practice of worshiping on Navaratri will also, very generally, they will recite the Devi Mahatmya. Some people will recite it every day. If you do it at top speed, you could probably do it in a couple of hours, but you won't be able to pay attention to that much to what you're doing. If you were paying attention, it's probably more like four hours. And some people will instead do uh, a chapter or a couple of chapters every day. And there is a special method by which you can do it. Some people will like read number chapter seven first and then six and then eight, or there's a, there are many different ways of doing it. And there's a special mantra that goes along with it. So that's, people will be doing that also while all this is happening. And everybody will be focusing enthusiastically on the goddess. And then Vijaya Dashami will come. And Vijaya Dashami in the morning is the time when you, if you are a kshatriya, if you're a warrior, you worship your sword. You do what's called the Ayuda Puja. And if you're not a kshatriya, and because the sword for a, for a warrior, your sword is your chief implement that you use for your work. If you're not a Kshatriya, then you may use some other implement. So everybody who follows this program will worship whatever their implements are, the implements that they use for their work. Uh, you will find, um, when I was in Kathmandu, I found, and people in Kathmandu are very fond of worshiping the goddess with animal sacrifice. So when I went to Kathmandu first in 1973, I was astounded because I would see taxi drivers chopping the head off a chicken or a duck and spreading the, the blood all over the taxi for as an offering to Durga and as a protection for the taxi. 
those of us who do not do animal sacrifice will worship Durga in some other way. When I was a student in the Ayurvedic college and had just become introduced to Navaratri, I used to worship my typewriter with uh, flowers and incense and a lamp and some sweets and some mantras. And now I do the same thing to my laptop and my phone because they're the tools of what I do now. So in the morning, you will worship your tools. And in the evening, Rama killed Ravana at sunset. And it's not mentioned in the Durga Saptashati what time of day it was when Durga killed Mahishasura. But we can assume it was sunset because sunset is the death of the day. So at sunset, that's the time when the actual Vijaya, the actual victory occurs. Victory of Rama over Ravana, victory of Durga over Mahishasura. And in some places, that is where more animal sacrifices will occur. When I went to Kathmandu, first in 1973, I happened to arrive on Vijayadashami, which I had no clue about then. I didn't realize what an auspicious day it was for me to arrive there. But in any event, what I did see was a long line of goats and buffaloes headed towards the national stadium. I didn't realize at the time that what they were going there for was mass animal sacrifice. Kind of glad I missed that. So, in different parts of the country, different things will happen. In Gujarat, the Ashwin Navaratri is the occasion for a particular kind of dance called the Garba dance, sometimes done with sticks, so it's called Dandia, the Dandia dance. And that's a very festive occasion. And in Kashi, in Banaras, Navaratri is the last 10 days of what is a usual 40-day process called the Ramalila. And the Ramalila is the recounting of the story of Rama. It's according to the Tulsi Ramayana. Tulsi Dasa was a resident of Varanasi for many years. And his retelling of the Ramayana in Hindi is acted out on the other side of the river in a place called Ram Nagara, the city of Rama. And there's a Ram Lila ground over there. And there are Ram Lila grounds in the city also. And towards the end of that period, they create big images of Ravana. And at the time of uh, Vijayadashami, then in the evening, Ravana is killed and then he is incinerated and there's great festivity because there's a big bonfire of this, these images of Ravana, and that is very auspicious as well. So this is the biggest of all the Navaratris of the year, but that one happens in August. And the one that's happening now is the Chaitri Navaratri. It's the Navaratri of, for the spring, the spring harvest, the Navaratri for new life, and the first day of the Navaratri, the first day 
has a special name also. It's called Gudi Pardwa. Gudi Pardwa. In Maharashtra, at least, and in some parts of other states in the west of India, Gudi Pardwa is the New Year's Day. And the first thing traditionally that you eat on the New Year's Day is a few neem leaves. And the reason for doing this is an Ayurvedic reason, though people don't necessarily think of it that way nowadays. The reason for this is because you spent the entire winter during which your the sun was at its minimum and you and 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 it was as cool it was as it was going to be during the year. So there's a chance that some kappa may have accumulated. Also, you're about to move into the hot season when there's without any doubt going to be plenty of pitta. So neem will dry up the kappa and cool down the pitta. So it is a symbolic thing that now we're going to this Navaratri is going to assist not only our spiritual development, it should also assist us to be healthy as well, to make a proper transition between seasons. Now, during any Navaratri, it is a wise thing to do to observe some kind of, some sort of food restriction. Vimalananda, during the Ashwin Navaratri, would live only on milk for three days, only on water for three days, and only on air for three days when he was younger. So you can observe any kind of food restriction you would like, and it doesn't have to be a complicated food restriction, but it's good to observe some kind of restriction, especially in Ashwin Navaratri, but in even in any Navaratri. And so, there would have been a time when people were eating not just two or three neem leaves, but a bunch of neem leaves and maybe even making a mono diet of neem and water or something for that period of nine days to act as a purification. It would have been a pretty dramatic purification, but very few, if any, people do that nowadays. In any event, that's the idea of the Navaratri that there should be purification so that you will become more pure so the Shakti can enter you and you'll be able to hold on to the Shakti because there's no use in having the Shakti enter you and then not being able to hold on to it. The important event at the end of the nine nights or actually shortly before the end of the ninth night of this Navaratri is that Rama is born. So, Ashwin Navaratri in the autumn, Ravana is killed and the buffalo demon is killed. In the Chaitanya Navaratri, Rama is born. He's born on the ninth day of the Navaratri. He's born at noon. He is born often when the moon is in the nakshatra of Pusha which is the most benevolent of the nakshatras. So it, the, the, the sun is getting stronger, the moon is getting stronger, and there's a good nakshatra. This is Rama Navami. He's born at noon when the sun is at its maximum for the day because 
Rama comes from the solar dynasty. So it is, we have to have a strong sun for Rama to be born. And six days after Rama is born, Hanuman is born. Hanuman Jayanti occurs on that full moon. So Rama and Hanuman are born in the Chaitri Navaratri and Ravana is killed by Rama in the Ashwin Navaratri. So the, the, uh, both, both events require the active participation of the goddess, the great goddess who creates and destroys. It is only thanks to the goddess that all of these festivities and excitements and so on and so forth can occur. And therefore, during this Chaitanya Navaratri, may we all bow down, worship the goddess, request her to, out of her benevolence and her motherliness and her willingness to always be attentive to and assist and bless her children, may she provide us everything that we require, whether we think we need it or not, everything we need, not what we want. May she provide us all that we need and may she bless us at all times. Sharanagata Dinartha Paritrana Parayane Sarvasyarthi Hare Devi Narayani Namostute Jai Maa.